Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Well, baseball's dead, at least for the first two series of the season. Once baseball eventually comes back, what's going to change? Stone the Banowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Program. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Well, deadline number two came and passed, and still nothing, and so now we don't have games. We're definitely not having spring training. We're definitely not going to have games, and so there it is. We, we all knew what was going to happen, but now it's a reality for baseball. Ken Levick alive here on a Wednesday on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app, and on your smart speaker in the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach. Usually Wednesdays mean Jeanette Javier, but the Dominican Queen has decided to travel. Uh, she is in San Diego, so we hope she has a good vacation. We don't need her. Stone Levanowitz, Friday Night Lights, he's running things until 2 o'clock. Mike Tannenbaum joins us at 1245, our football insider, to discuss... The Dolphins, Tom Brady, Sean Payton, the Combine, and everything happening in the league right now. Uh, and we are coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, right off of the cloudy and drizzly Intracoastal. Well, 5 o'clock came yesterday, and then 5 o'clock went yesterday, and there was still nothing, and there was no deal, and there was no agreement, and uh, don't worry, both sides were still walking. There was still a lot of walking happening. The owners and the Players Association, they were walking through Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, but they weren't really talking or doing anything that was going to keep us from Rob Manfred making the inevitable walk to the podium and announcing that there was no deal, and he announced that he was canceling the first two series of the season for every team. And so here we are. The scenario in which Rob Manfred called, quote, devastating. Baseball has had to cancel games. For the second time in three years, players aren't going to be receiving full pay, full season pay. One, because of a pandemic. Two, because the owners locked them out. And, most importantly, the fans, for the second time in three years, aren't going to see a full baseball season. But I'm curious, and I want to do a little bit of a case study today. We are going to, we're going to dip our toe into sports science, okay? This is traditionally Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast because of the transplant population that gets bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. Just check traffic on 95 in the Turnpike. That's right, I'm talking to you, Bill from Manhattan. But this is a popular baseball market because of the New York influence, because of the Boston influence, because of the New England influence, the Philadelphia influence, the Northeast as a whole. Baseball's popular down here. We have spring training. Cardinals fans invade during spring training every year in Jupiter. Mets fans invade Port St. Lucie. Marlins have spring training games in Jupiter. But this is a good baseball market. One of the few. One of the few good baseball markets. 
So Rob Manfred Stone called this devastating a couple of weeks ago. This is what came to fruition. And we are here. Games have been canceled. And we are now in devastating territory. I'm going to read you two tweets from Evan Cohen, who you just heard his first of two hits today, 11.55 here on ESPN 106.3. And then you'll hear him again at 5.55 later today. Here's Evan. It really feels like what players and owners are negotiating for is not even what fans are hoping for. Faster games with more action and more personality with more quick fun. At the end of all of this, when they ultimately agree, does it even attract more fans? I think people have it backwards when they say baseball does not care about the fans. I think that's exactly who they care about. They care about their diehards who don't want major change. They need to start caring about the people who are not their fans. That is the issue. I agree with both of those Evan tweets because baseball, look how making drastic changes was treated last year. Putting a runner on second in extra innings, seven inning double headers. I mean, that was met with massive blowback, massive pushback, more than I thought was actually going to happen. So I have a feeling that's going bye-bye. That's going to be done. But baseball also has had a major problem shortening the games. It has had a massive issue marketing its players. It's been like pulling teeth to allow them to flip bats after home runs and not have fastballs being thrown at temples after the fact. You, Stone, how would you classify yourself when it comes to baseball? I mean, I respect the game, and I feel like I'm in the minority because you did mention we are in a great market. But do you watch it? I don't really watch it. So you're not really a fan? I'm not really a fan, no. But when it comes to primetime games where I know there are, you know, superstars on each team, I'll definitely tune in. But can I last the whole time? Absolutely not. So what what would bring you to baseball? What would make you watch 65 games during the course of a season, whether it's in the afternoon or it's a random Wednesday night? I mean, you mentioned marketing their players better. I think in the NBA and the NFL, we know every player on every team. And I think that's the problem with baseball. I can't tune in to watch a guy that I don't know do something that I don't really care about. I mean, this is me personally. I mentioned I'm in the minority. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm right or, or this is how it is. But, yeah, I, I can't tune in and watch guys that I have no idea who they are and where they came from. So you're not aligned with a team. You strike me as the type of sports fan that's aligned to a player. Yeah. You like the NBA. I love the NBA. You like LeBron. I do like LeBron. The NBA is a player game. Mm-hmm. The NBA markets players. The NFL, it markets players, and just, especially quarterbacks. Just storyline after storyline mm-hmm. after storyline. Major League Baseball has not done a good job of doing that, whether it's Tatis, whether it's Scherzer, whether it's any of the big names, a Guerrero. Like they don't do a great job. They still think that this is a team-oriented game. But down here, it's very much a team-oriented baseball population. So I'm just curious. This is just me because I'm trying to get to understand the baseball fan a little bit more because I've talked about it at length. We spent... What? Damn near three weeks, Stone, where I was trying to, how do you feel if baseball loses games? How do you feel if baseball loses games? If baseball loses games, what feeling are you going to have? Nothing. And we got two calls in three weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're taking calls, a ton of calls on 
sports falls from grace on how many beers it takes to mow your lawn. <laughs> We're taking calls on that, but nobody wants to talk about how they feel if baseball cancels games. Well, here we are. Baseball has canceled games. So let's do a science experiment, okay? Just a little social science experiment. My team, my ride-or-die baseball team, and I still follow baseball for a team, and that's the Chicago White Sox. I am a massive White Sox fan. I am unconventional because, well, by definition, a White Sox fan is unconventional. Far and away, the second team in Chicago, not a single soul in South Florida outside of me gives two craps about the White Sox, yet here I am. So you know I'm why, a White Sox fan. I'm on an island. You know why I would care about the White Sox? is because their pitcher, and you probably know his name, but he went to Southern Illinois University. He, he a big, hefty guy. He's really good, but see, that's why I watch the White Sox. When he's on the mound, I'll tune in because he went to where I went to school. Big, hefty guy. Okay. You don't know Lance his name? Lynn? Lance Lynn. Okay. Lance Lynn. big and hefty. That's the only reason I knew him. All right. So Lance Lynn, fine. But you like him because he's big and hefty and you have a college connection with him. Right. For me, though, this lockout, last year I didn't buy the Major League Baseball TV package. I didn't buy the extra innings package. And you know what? I just made do. I checked the scores. I checked the stats the morning after. I move on with my life. But for the first time in forever, I didn't buy the extra innings package. Once baseball comes back from this, whenever they come back from this, I'm not buying the Major League Baseball TV package. Take a guess how many Major League Baseball games I went to last year, Stone. Two. Zero. Whoa. Not one. Not one. I haven't been to a Major League Baseball game in three years. Not a single Major League Park have I walked into. And you're very much a fan of the game. I like the game. I grew up playing the game. I grew up obsessed with the game. But now, I'm eh. And this lockout, it's not going to push me away because I'm already pushed away. But I'm curious. I want to know who your team is and will this lockout affect your typical baseball habits once baseball comes back? Are you going to buy the TV package? Or are you going to say, nah? Are you going to go to fewer games? Or are you going to head right back into the stadium? Are you going to ignore baseball altogether? Or are you going to watch the same amount? Are you going to pay attention the same amount? What does this lockout mean? Because we all vilify Rob Manfred, and there's a lot of things to vilify him for. But I'm just curious, because overall, I think the state of the game is just sort of there and it's never moving. Baseball's never going to be the most popular sport again. Baseball has nowhere to go but down, but I feel like the the hardcore olds are going to come back. And uh, as far as new fans are concerned, there aren't going to be any. That's where I think baseball sits, forever or third. I agree. Forever or third in this country, behind basketball, behind football, and maybe even occasionally behind hockey moving into fourth. That's how I feel about it. I'm a White Sox fan. The lockout won't affect me because I already didn't have the MLB package. I already haven't gone to a game in three years. It doesn't affect me at all. But there are some hardcores down here. So I'm curious, who is your baseball team? And will this lockout affect your typical baseball habits? Like watching it on TV, watching out of market, going to a game. How does it affect you? Does it affect you? 888-760-3776. 760-3776. You can tweet at us at KLV1063. 
Again, 888-760-3776. Just a baseball social experiment. Now, I already sort of have an indication about baseball based on the last three weeks because we could talk Tom Brady. We could talk Tua. We could talk Bengals. We could talk Rams. Anything football. And you know what in front of me? The phone lines? Red, 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 blinking red, blinking, calling, filled up. We get to baseball, cricket time. Complete crickets. So I want to do a social experiment. I no longer care about your feelings because it's I, I'm I'm pretty much come to the reality that it doesn't affect anyone all that much from a feelings perspective that baseball has completely blown this. They're making themselves look bad. They're embarrassing. They had 43 days to figure something out and decided a week and a half before pitchers and catchers were supposed to report, oh, yeah, maybe we should get talking about a new collective bargaining agreement. We know baseball's, baseball's poorly run. We know Rob Manfred's a turd, okay? Like, we do. We do. But I need to know, in this baseball-rich area, who is your team and will this lockout affect your typical baseball habits? Are you going to buy the MLB package? Are you going to get rid of it? Are you going to go to less games now? If you've gone to any games over the last few years, I haven't. How is this going to affect you? How does the lockout affect you, the baseball person? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's just start with you real quick, Stone. You, the non-baseball fan, who doesn't watch other than to put money on things. What does this lockout do to you, the already non-baseball fan? Yeah, it just pushes me further away from the game than I already was. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, I think that's it. I think it just pushes me a little further away than I already yeah. am. Now, in absence of baseball not being played, at least for the first couple of weeks, you're going to watch the NBA. You're going to watch the run of the playoffs. And I think that's a natural reaction. And that's problematic for baseball. Let's go to Damon and Delray. Damon kicking us off on the phones here on a Wednesday on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Damon? Hey, what's up, my friend? How are you? I'm good, brother. Um, good to hear from you. I'm, yeah, hey, same here, bro, and congrats as usual. Um, I'm I'm born and raised in South Florida, um, you know, and so I'm not a baseball guy, you know, and but I'm going to give you the other extreme. My girl, who I've been with for 14 years, is from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh-huh. Okay? So she's a hardcore, right? And let me tell you something. <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about a baseball town? Her cousins, every year, okay, and Ken, I mean every year, these are not wealthy people, right. all right? Their vacation, they save up all year and bag their lunch and do whatever they got to do. It's Jupiter, right? to come down here. Yes. Yep. Spring training, Jupiter. That always amazed me. I'm like, my God, you come down here just to watch spring training? I mean, that'd be like, you know, you or I going halfway across the country to watch some preseason, but <laughs> that's how much they love baseball. That's how much they love their team, you know. So, so let me ask like you that, that this lockout, though. So your your girl, I mean, is this is she wavering a little bit? How frustrated is she? Because she's the one where so, baseball just assumes she's coming yeah. back. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. People like those people in in, in St. Louis. Yeah, it's a smack, it's a smack in the face. I mean, you know, I mean, what? Listen, I'm I'm like you, Ken. The athletes should get whatever they can. I'm on their side, not the owners, you know. Mm-hmm. But 
at the end of the day, you're like, wait a minute, what's the minimum salary? And these guys are making what? Well, I mean, you know, it's. And Damon, (laughs) here's my biggest issue: is that there were there were uh, like two months after the season ended to get any sort of dialogue going. There was a whole baseball season last year. And uh, they decided not to go to the table. They decided not to talk. That's just bad business. And appreciate the call, Damon. The fact that, ah, things get done at the 11th hour. That's how it works in the corporate world. Well, that's clearly bull bleep because that didn't happen. And if that is actually how business works, and baseball's the one exception that didn't negotiate a deal at the 11th hour, but they do it on TV in succession. Well, baseball's just a bad business. I mean, that's what I gleaned from that, is baseball is a bad business. Who is your team, and how will this lockout affect you now that some games are gone? First two series of the year. Are these going to affect your typical baseball habits? Are you going to take a step back? Are you going to get rid of the MLB extra innings package? Are you going to say, sorry, TV deal, I'm out. I'll pay attention on my phone, the GameCast, morning after. Are you going to go to fewer games? How does this affect you? My gut feeling is that the hardcores will still stick around because it's baseball. Of course. But the problem is people like you because you're just going to get enthralled by the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I will. By the NFL draft. And I'll just put notifications on for the one or two teams I like and I'll follow them. And then in July, what is Stone going to do? He's going to come into these studios and he's going to say, hey, Ken, um, let's, uh, let's talk about quarterbacks. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're 15 games into the season, July 10th. You know, the All-Star Game's already been canceled. Mark is in West Palm. What's going on, Mark? Hey, uh, so, you know, I call in pretty often. Sure. Listen to the station all day, and um, I could care less if I ever see another baseball game. Wow. Now, in fairness to the strike, no strike, what did I watch last year and maybe over the past five, six, seven years? A playoff game here or there. Mm -hmm. I I would literally watch a repeat on the NFL network of a game I've seen six times before I watched a live baseball yeah. game. Yeah, and since when has that been, Mark? When did you, when did you make that oh, change? Because I have to imagine you were at least raised okay. a baseball fan, right? Probably since Roy Halladay was pitching for the Phillies. Wow. Wow. Because yeah, I was, was a, a big ago. fan, and I'm from Philly. Most of my teams are all, you know, well, all my teams are all Philly teams. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it's probably, I mean, if the Phillies were in it down the stretch, maybe I'd watch a little bit. Uh, but it's just, it's just, I can't, it's, it's, it's almost unwatchable. What's your sport? Zero Mark? interest in going to a game. Are you a football it's guy? Boring and unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. Are you more football? A hundred percent. Hockey, football. I watch golf before I watch baseball. I, I, I don't think that you are on an island on that at all. And yep. Mark, appreciate the call and the honesty. That's damn near a decade. I mean, that's Roy Holiday. We're talking a decade ago, and may he rest in peace. But we're talking a de- over a decade ago, and that's player driven. The first thing he said was a player's name. Yeah, that made him watch. I um. So me personally, I was really affected by the '94 strike because the White Sox. Then that's that's the the mountaintop of my childhood fandom, and I think that's where your fandom is always most intense. That one hurt. Because the White Sox were going to win you? the World Series. Sorry, Yankees fans and Expos fans. Uh, I was uh, 10, 10 years old. Oh, yeah, so you're full-out yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that hurt. And it, the White Sox came back from the strike, and they were bad. They were really bad. Like, Rob, uh, uh, they, they were just awful, okay? And so Terry Bevington was their manager. It was just all awful. And then 
They started to come around a little bit. 2000, they made the playoffs. By 2005, I was fully invested again. They won the World Series. Good stuff. But since I've moved to Florida, and this is since 2007, this, eh. and now, I mean, the fact I don't even buy the baseball package, and that's been, you know, the last year was the first time in a long time, but I was wasting money because I wasn't watching as many games as I needed to to justify it. It's been a while. This has been a slow bleed for me. This has been a slow bleed for me. And again, this is an area full of Yankees fans, full of Mets fans. But to speak to Mark's point, like if I came on this show, Stone, and in May, I gave a, give me the top five pitchers right now in baseball. Who would you set up in your rotation? If you had any pitcher at your disposal, you know what I'd get? Dial tone. Dial tone. Dial tone. Right? I mean, undeniably. People love baseball down here, but it's not good for business. And I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. And that's why I think baseball's stagnant. I don't think the lockout's actually going to hurt in the short term because there's no movement to it. There's not any movement forward. It's stuck there. The hardcores will come back. But long term, it's the people like you, the non-baseball fans, who aren't going to be drawn to it unless it's to gamble. Right? Right. After we get to Drew, I have a proposal on the other side that I think will interest you, and I think will interest a lot of people. Oh, are you going to resolve the lockout? I, I, I think I could. Mm, interesting. Drew is <laughs> in West Palm. What's up, Drew? Hey, what's up, man? Um, so, I'm a big, big Mets fan. I love baseball. I've gone to a lot of the games. How I see it is that it will still be the way it is. I've gone to about 15 stadiums. Mm-hmm. Love the architectural mm-hmm. books. Love how the stands are. Mm-hmm. Love how the players are. You always got to have a beer and a hot dog. Absolutely. No matter what, you just have to. While during the games, it just bore. It is boring. They try to speed it up. They get the best pitchers. They got the best hitters out there. Great, but the thing is that what really killed it was basically when the Cubs and what was it, Cleveland Indians went to the World Series. Yeah. After that, I think it all went down because the it one just, big storyline, the one big storyline, was gone forever. Exactly, and now you got to just say to yourself. When when you see that, just get caught. Caught. It's over. Done. What else we got? You know what? It also drew my. It drew me apart. Also, when you know, spring training is huge for me. I love spring training. Yeah. To see everything going, moving, everything like that. But what really, really killed it to my, myself was when they put the net on the field uh, for the fans. You can't get an autograph anymore. Everybody's got to stand in like a military line. Go get your autograph, autograph, and the guy's going to sign like maybe three, four autographs. All right, gotta, gotta go. The ball boy can't even get it, you know, uh, give you the ball anymore. He just puts it in his pocket or whatever. It's all, you just don't feel like, like you have that access anymore. That made yeah, baseball you don't special. Have it. And that's the thing is, it's like you got to say, it's just like you know, with all the things that have happened within what you want to say, like four years. Yeah, it's dropped. I still, want, I still buy the MLB package because you know, here in Florida, I can't watch certain sure. teams. Sure. I, I go to like I try, I go to the All Star game. I went to Cheaters uh, final moment when I used to live in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The Twin Stadium was a beautiful stadium, one of the best stadiums I think I've seen out there. But still, it's got to give it more luxury to it. Yeah, I mean, I like getting a cocktail, like getting a buy a twenty dollars. You like drink, the experience? That's fine. You you can handle the experience. It, it you like the experience, but the actual game, the purpose of you being there, doesn't thrill you anymore. And appreciate the call, Drew. Now, as far as the netting goes, I'd prefer people not getting hit in the skull with a 150-mile-an-hour line drive. So I'm fine with the Nets, okay? Uh, I don't get it because I'm not a big autograph guy, but Drew is, and so I understand. I get that. But Drew's point about the Cubs finally winning a World Series, this is not something I thought about. But 
it does connect to me saying that baseball still markets itself and still considers itself a team-oriented sport. Their fans are tribal. The fans are in it for the teams. Phillies fans for the Phillies. Yankees fans, Mets fans, Cubs fans. Follow your team. Whereas the NBA says, LeBron, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, James Harden. The NFL says, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, uh, Matt Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, those guys. And baseball, case in point, is the one storyline that they marketed for decades was, well, lovable losers. Cubs never going to win it. The Red Sox was the beginning of the crumbling of the foundation when they finally won it in 2004. 2005, the White Sox had a longer drought. They won, but nobody cared. But then it was the Cubs. And the one thing in the postseason that baseball could market and shove it down your throat and you'd be interested in is, can the Cubs do it this year? And then they did it. And now it's not something you can bank on any longer. Wow. You can't attach dollars to it any longer. And I know this because I know hundreds, if not thousands, of Cubs fans, and even they don't know how to go about their lives since the Cubs won the World Series because they were used to being the victims. They loved it. It was their identity. Feel bad for us, lovable losers, bleacher, bleacher bums, Ivy, sad. But now, their whole lives have changed. They don't have an identity any longer. That's a great call. Yeah, I see the point because, and I mentioned this, whether it was yesterday or last week, but the Mets started off the season so well last year. Mm-hmm. And it, like, Twitter and social media, like, that was what was trending in baseball. Like, yeah. can the Mets do it again? And that built up some, you know. Some- I, I just, it, like, when you have the, the, the most audacious personalities in baseball are some of the owners. Like, speaking of the Mets, Steve Cohen, he's, he's the most audacious personality with the Mets. And he exists on Twitter. He's in the front office. That's a problem. Like the NBA has personalities as ownership. You've got Mark Cuban, but also on that same team, Luka Doncic is arguably the best player in basketball. Yeah. You know, baseball's just in a rough spot. And I don't want to turn this into a, well, baseball sucks, because I'll still pay attention, but I'm not buying the TV package again. I'm not going to a game again. The lockout doesn't affect me because I've already been distanced from the whole thing. The lockout affects Stone, because Stone is a willing, possible addition to the baseball fan base. Absolutely. And this lockout pushes him to not want to have anything to do with it. But I'm curious, down here, and I'm fascinated by the social media responses, and we'll get to that in a moment, but down here, rich baseball area, we've... Already dropped the first two series of the year because of this lockout. We are now in labor crisis. I doubt we're stopping there. I would be stunned if we have a Major League Baseball game before May, if that. I'm, I'm curious what this has done to you people. Who is your baseball team, and will this lockout affect your typical baseball habits? Will you not buy the TV package this year because of the lockout? Or is that just sort of your thing and you're bringing it back? Will you go to less games this year? Will you ignore the game in general? What does this lockout do to you, the Palm Beach County Treasure Coast baseball fan? Knowing that it's already affected us because spring training has been a wash. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. On Twitter, it's open. 
at KLV 106.3. Ken Levick Alive presented by our title sponsor, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Dr. Jim Reardon, if if there was a uh, if there was a comparison, like say, you know, you're talking Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball Commissioner, he's just been bad. Bad oversight, not good. If you were to compare Dr. Jim Reardon to a a, a leader, someone who heads an organization, I would say he is, well, the sports business god. How about that? That's lofty. Dr. Jim Reardon has been doing it for 22 years. He has been guiding the sports executives of tomorrow. The proof is all there. All you have to do is go to fau.edu slash MBA sport. FAU MBA sport management program earners have gone on to work in professional sports. MBA, NHL, NFL, work big time pro sports broadcasts. Uh, have gone on to massive college athletics. Big time D1, SEC, ACC, Throughout college sports, local sports. Hell, George Lindley, he's the head of the Palm Beach County Sports Commission. Guess where he got his MBA in sport management from? Oh, yeah, FAU. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. The classes are taught by professors who are in the sports industry. You're learning firsthand modern-day knowledge. FAU.edu slash MBA Sports. Sign up for fall semester classes now on campus or remote. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Doing a social experiment. Want to hear from you baseball fans. There are a ton of you here, and I know it, and I'm trying to be sympathetic to it. Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. We have already seen the first two series of the year wiped out because of the Major League Baseball lockout. They are still far, far, far apart. You, the baseball fan, how will this lockout affect your baseball habits? Are you going to watch less? Are you not getting the TV package? Are you going to go to fewer games? How does this affect you, if at all? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. It's Wednesday. We're hanging out with you. He's still in the band. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Uh-huh. We are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Baseball Doomsday. Five o'clock came and went yesterday. Nothing. Owners. Players Association, dead. First two series of the year, Rob Manfred, baseball's are, says, those are off the table, and the players aren't getting paid. Just jabbing, 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 jabbing. But I'm curious, because again, we take pride in this being one of the few rich baseball areas because there's so many transplants. One of the great things about this area is that, in my opinion. But me, I'm so distanced from baseball now after being a massive fan growing up. White Sox, hardcore, still my favorite team. If, if a lot of you have been listening for the full almost year that this show's been in existence, you heard me going off on Tony La Russa early last year about not standing up for his players. But, man, I, I, to me, this lockout doesn't affect anything other than me being frustrated. I already wasn't going to get the TV package because I'm so far removed. I already wasn't planning. I don't have any plans to go to a game. I don't have plans to go down to Little Havana and see that crap fest. It doesn't affect me at all. But 
Who is your baseball team? How does the lockout affect your baseball habits? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Are you going right back to your hardcore baseball habits after the lockout? Is the lockout going to push you away? Is the lockout going to keep you from dabbling in baseball like the case of Friday Night Lights over here? I'm curious. This is a social experiment today. I just, I want to know, what is the lockout going to do to you? 888-760-3776. Let's head to Palm Beach Gardens. That's where Joe is. What's going on, Joe? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Good, man. So, I think the most frustrating thing for me is, I mean, it's not going to affect the way that I watch baseball or anything like that. Like, I'm a Chicago White Sox fan, have been. Thank God, since my dad switched over from a Cubs fan to a Sox fan yeah, when man, I was like four. Man, you got lucky. Whew, boy. But the problem for me is I don't think people aren't, or people that aren't exactly involved with baseball, they're not given and given a chance to appreciate the individual effort that it takes to actually get a ground ball or throw a pitch a hundred miles an hour without throwing it over the netting like Bill Murray did. So that's where fans are, you know, they're looking for high scoring. They want, you know, 10 to 12 games. They want 11, you know, 11 to 13 games, but that's, you know, that's not going to happen. The appreciation for baseball, which, doesn't get put into the normal just any day baseball watchers eyes is how hard it is to actually play the game and make that individual effort. Yeah. I mean, everybody can watch, you know, your James Harden, you know, who's awesome and I really hope he gets a ring this year. But make that one of us they don't understand, they don't understand the individual effort. Yeah. And so the fact that, yeah, I mean, this lockout, if it's a short time, I, I agree that it's not going to affect the normal baseball watcher because to the normal baseball watcher, yeah, it's not that interesting because you want to see home runs every time and you want to see well, a triple play. I do think, Joe, and Joe, I do think that the reliance on the home run, though, whether it's a strikeout or it's a home run, that has affected how people consume the sport and appreciate the call. I I don't think that the public thirsts for the home run anymore. I I, I think that they want to see strategy back in the game. And that's part of the reason games are so long, because it's strikeout or home run. It's no longer move a runner over. It's no longer, uh, you know, hit one down the right field line for a double. Nobody's legging out triples anymore. Uh, it's more of a, it's more of a hit a 450-foot bomb or you strike out. That's not fun. Yeah. I, could, I would go watch uh, a t-ball game if that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, I think when I'm watching baseball, I, I look for the situational things to happen. Like when a guy needs to hit a sack fly, I'm yeah. really interested in the game, no matter what the count is. I'm like, right. he has to get a sack fly. I mean, you know, right. if they want to tie the game. So like situationally, that's why I tune into baseball games if I do. Real quick before we go to break, I want to switch gears and and talk football for a moment because pro football talk, uh, this was back on Monday. Mike Florio reported that the Dolphins, before Brian Flores filed his lawsuit against the NFL, the Dolphins 
had pursued Sean Payton, taking him away from the Saints to become head coach and bringing in Tom Brady as a minority stake owner in the team, which maybe would open the door for him to play quarterback for the Dolphins. Here's the report. At one point in the offseason, following the firing of Brian Flores and prior to the filing of his lawsuit, the Dolphins, we're told via multiple sources, had planned to pursue a package deal. Yes, sir. At coach and quarterback. Right. The coach, the coach would have been Sean Payton. And Chris, the quarterback would have been your favorite. TV 12, baby. Oh, really? The GOAT. Mind-blowing when you hear that. Sean Payton, Tom Brady, package deal, Miami Dolphins. What? Brady's supposed to be retired. Payton needs a break. What the hell's going on in the NFL? That's the first thing I thought of when I started to hear this, you know, these things. Heard it from you and started to make some calls and talk to some people and started to hear it more and more to, to verify that it was true, of course. And here's what we're actually reporting. We're reporting that the Dolphins had planned to pursue Peyton and Brady for 2022 and that the Flores lawsuit caused the plug to be pulled. So that's Mike Florio, Chris Sims. They both say that they have uh, the backing. They have sources to, uh, to reinforce that report. Does it have legs? Does it seem realistic? We're going to ask Mike Tannenbaum former Jets GM, former Dolphins GM, our football insider, when we return. Could the Dolphins have gotten Sean Payton? Could they have had Tom Brady come in as an owner and maybe, maybe dabble in that whole quarterback situation? Also, what's on deck for the Combine and Kyler Murray? What's next for him in Arizona? We'll talk about all of that when we return with Mike Tannenbaum. He is still in the Banowitz Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. And yes, we are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. We started the first 45 minutes or so talking about the Major League Baseball lockout. Wanted to talk some football. Got to get it in before we hit 1 o'clock here and no better person to bring on to discuss the NFL. We are into the Combine in Indianapolis. The Dolphins once again headlines over some big names that they weren't quite able to land. Let's go ahead and uh, welcome in Mike Tannenbaum. He is our uh, football insider here on Ken LeVick Live, former Gents GM, former VP of Football Operations for the Finns. Mike, before we uh, get into some football stuff here, are you uh, are you a baseball fan? I am. My uh, first job was working for the Pittsfield Nets. Uh, so this lockout, are, are, I'm sure you're bummed. What is this? Is this going to affect your consumption of baseball and 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 how much you'll watch it or get into it during the course of the year once baseball comes back? Yeah, you know what's interesting, Ken, is I think if I was running MLB, I'd be much more concerned about how much of the pie is getting diminished because of football. And mm-hmm. you know, we could argue over who should get how much, but at some point. You're just taking money out of both of your sides' pocket because the popularity of football has so far gone past baseball, you're just arguing over smaller dollars. And I just think somebody has to bring a different sort of point of view to the discussion. Like, no deal is catastrophic for both sides. 
Weird. Someone who actually knows business making a good salient point about business. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I. Baseball could absolutely use you, Mike. Now, I, I do want to ask you too. When it comes to negotiations. I don't love doing it. I back down. I'm a terrible negotiator. What were some of the toughest negotiations you had with a player, player agent, and, and getting those ironed out in your time in front offices? Yeah, I think my most public one was certainly Darrell Rivas, the great Hall of Famer. That played out on national TV because we were on hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was someone that we were trying to reward. And the sticking point there was by how much. And we felt like we were doing the right thing by going to him early. And um, it's just one of those things. We knew there was a landing spot, but it just took a very long time to get there. Uh, how, how stressful was it? And did it, did it, how, how much hindrance came from it being played out over national television? Well, it certainly didn't help. And I think the way Kyle Murray's agent's handling things right now for Kyle Murray, same thing. Like, why would you talk about it publicly? Like, to me, it's just... Um, Nothing good comes out of that. Get behind closed doors, have discourse, have disagreement, and then find a spot where everyone can live the fight another day. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Mike Tannenbaum again joining us here on Ken LeVick Alive. Uh, that whole situation in Arizona is fascinating. Kyler Murray, that 3,000-word press release from his agent earlier this week, and that seemingly just sort of got dropped out of nowhere. What do you make of that? And then today, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime, the GM in Arizona, getting an extension. Uh, are those two things related? The Cliff Kingsbury or the uh, the Kyler Murray request, and then the extension of the coach and the GM. Well, and to take it a step further, that's super interesting to me. Ken is Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, share the same agent. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all kind of related to me. That is that is wild. What's happening out there? Do you think? Do you think after year three, Kyler Murray? has the right or has the leverage to be requesting a contract extension, something that Allen, Wentz, uh, Goff, and Mahomes are really the only ones in recent memory to have gotten? Well, from this standpoint, it's supply and demand. There just aren't enough good quarterbacks, Ken. So, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, I could see why he would ask for it. And, you know, he's not a perfect quarterback by any stretch, but – if you're the Cardinals, he is clearly the best quarterback in this year's draft and even next year's. So I, I could see why, why they would do that in terms of trying to lock him up. Now, when you look at Wentz and Goff, Jared Goff when he left the Rams and Carson Wentz when he left the Eagles, you know they left a lot of money on the table uh, in terms of um, money hitting their salary cap, excuse me, just from a dead money standpoint. So it is certainly a, uh, a cautionary tale. Let's talk about the Dolphins here because pro football talk, Mike Florio reported on Monday that before the Brian Flores lawsuit dropped, there were discussions with Sean Payton possibly becoming the Dolphins head coach. The Finns had requested uh, the permission to talk to him before he left the Saints. That was not granted, but then there were discussions that picked up. Tom Brady possibly coming in as a minority owner. That would open the door to him potentially playing uh, in 2022. Steve Ross always goes for it, and you have discussed that with us here on, on this radio show. How much legs do you think that has, and how realistic did you think at the very least Sean Payton, Dolphins head coach, could have been? Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, you know, Steve cares about, you know, winning, and he's certainly going to look into every option, and candidly, he should. Um, with a guy like Sean Payton's available, um, I would be surprised and disappointed if, candidly, the other teams didn't make the same call. They're, he's doing what he thinks in the best interest of the team. I, I sort of applaud him for looking into it. I, I don't know why you wouldn't when you have a coach of, you know, Sean Payton's, um, you know, 
uh, accomplishment, you know, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think like why it's not a good idea to look into that. Tom Brady, uh, uh, the, the, he's still under contract through next year with the Bucks. They haven't put him on the retirement list yet. There's a $34 million cap hit if they do it before June 2nd. Uh, Bruce Arians came out today and said, hey, if any team wanted to trade it for his rights, that's five first-round picks. Everybody is still sort of teetering on that. Is he staying retired? Is he going to play again? Where does Mike Tannenbaum sit on this with, with Tom Brady? Yeah, my sense is he, he's not going to play again, but I agree with Coach Arians on that one, Ken. Like, why would you let you know Tom Brady go anyplace else? So um, I think that's the right move, and uh, generally like the only move they, they should be talking about, which is, hey, if you want to play, we have your rights, and um, you're presumably staying retired, but if not, you're going to be a Buccaneer. I saw you on ESPN yesterday, Mike, and you said that Aaron Rodgers right now is being selfish, just sort of leaving the Packers in limbo. Uh, what would be a proper date in your mind for Aaron Rodgers to finally let the Packers know whatever he is doing here moving forward? A week ago. <laughs> uh, like, like, Ken, what is he going to know on March 3rd that he doesn't know today? True. Like, like let's go. Yeah. Right? Let's go. I, I, do you buy that the Packers haven't fielded any calls about a trade for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, if you saw Brian Gutekunst's sort of like body language, um, it was pretty funny. Like, I'm sure everyone's calm. Again, they wouldn't be doing their job if that wasn't the case. Yeah, I, that's what I got the sense of uh, as well. Mike Tannenbaum and I are on the same page here. I know the Combine. You love the Combine. You spend a lot of time at the Combine. What is the most important part of the Combine to you? And for these teams, for these talent evaluators, what, what specifically would you tell your evaluators in Indy, hey, make sure we're getting this done, this done, and this done? You know, it really, it's, a, it's about the physical first. And then after that, it's definitely about, um, you know, what, what's going on in terms of, like, the interviews, you know, spending, like, face-to-face time with them, Ken. And then after that, it, it's what you see on the field. So, ironically, you know, the biggest part of, like, what fans see is probably, like, the smallest part of what um, actually happens at the combine in terms of order. But the, the physical is by far the most important. And then after that the interviews, and then and then so on from there. Yeah, Pat Lawler, who used to represent uh, Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew, uh, he joins us every week here uh, on the show, and he said that, hey, the most important thing and what I coached these guys most was when they're sitting down with these executives and with these scouts. Whatever happened on the field, it happened on the field. They have film of your entire college career, so it sounds like you sort of operated that way as well. Yeah, no question about it. Like, when you can have that sort of like intimate time with somebody – just taking you behind the curtains, it's absolutely you know, the most important thing for sure. Mike, awesome work as always. Appreciate it. We'll do it next Wednesday, okay? Okay, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Mike Tannenbaum, he is the best. He is our football insider here on Ken Levick Alive. Again, former Jets GM and Dolphins VP of Football Operations. And so, again, another person saying that you can get all worked up watching NFL Network right now and seeing these guys run the 40 and uh, do the bench press and the cone drill and the vertical leap and all of those things, that's great. But honestly, those things, more often than not, don't have any bearing on where a guy is going. Yeah. Like, they just don't. I was looking at uh, highlights of Josh Allen's combine where he's throwing it like 70, 75 yards in the air, but fine. Teams already knew he could do that. It doesn't matter. It's all for show. The important stuff is happening in those office rooms. The important stuff is happening in the tunnels. 
at Lucas Oil Stadium. Not out on that artificial turf. Yeah, that's a good point because I would like to know the number of guys that they put in the category of we're not sure what his numbers are going to be. And we're curious to see what his arm looks like and stuff because most of the guys there, they do know. Like yeah. They already have an idea how far he's going to throw the ball, what he's going to look like and how fast he's going to run and stuff. But it's really like there's a small number of guys that they're curious about. So you're right. Uh, it's not going to happen. But if, let's just play the hypothetical game because that's what Florio wanted to do was at least dangle that maybe Tom Brady would come back to football. <laughs> he would come out of retirement to quarterback the Dolphins. If Tom Brady were to take the reins of the Dolphins' offense, would the Dolphins become the favorites in the AFC East and would they become an AFC title contender? I mean, I think so. And what would get so overhyped would be Mike McDaniel and Tom Brady and what that offense could possibly be. My God, fullbacks and Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah. And Full of blocking tight ends? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, and Mike Jacecki obviously can do it all. So I, I think they would. I, it would probably be an even line with them in Buffalo. I was going to say, I think it's at least an even line. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, but, but this is, so this would force all of the, the folks who say, Tua sucks. I don't care about the offensive line. Tua sucks. Well, then you would have to come around and say, oh, well, Brady's there. So uh, if he starts to fail, then you look at the offensive line. Yeah, right? no doubt. And then it gives Tua a lifeline there. But Tom Brady, quarterbacking the Dolphins, <laughs> um, uh, you know, they, they have a little lesser in that wide receiver room, but they have a superior tight end and they have that defense that's right on par with Buffalo's. I'm with you. They're even at the top of the AFC East, those two, with Tom Brady at quarterback. Let's keep dreaming, though. Yeah, I don't think that's um, not going to happen. <laughs> but thank you to Mike Florio for uh, putting that out there so I can at least think about it a little bit. I will always take the cheap sports talk radio bait. <laughs> Believe you me. And it's always the Dolphins, right? Damn right. Always the Dolphins. Big thank you to uh, Mike Tannenbaum, as always. He'll join us again next Wednesday. Listening lunch is coming up, including <laughs> Rob Manfred was all giggles after we lost baseball games yesterday. He's still in the Banowitz Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.